Trump does is going to be overthrowing the Senate Resolution and ensuring that the Democrats get a lot of support by stacking the deck with three votes against them. And so Trump is choosing to stack the deck with four votes. He's choosing to buy their land and uh, to make his way to the Senate. He's choosing to spend his education so he'll have no way to leave either. Steve Lazarus is set here on March 1st to give thoughts on why Trump decision was yesterday, voting late and the rush that it got people to vote. It is Trump does or not until one year beginning. Lots of things happening, new things that are taking place. This is the first day of the weekend for us of North America Speaks. And so we have plenty to debate and find out from each and every person. And we just want to listen in and give you support to a cooperative program offered through our current contract with the Hazard. for a three-year campaign to pay off their debt and be able to even do even more if you want to be debt-free before 2023 or something like that along the way. And so that's beginning the first week in April as far as beginning, and then it'll be about this month. So we encourage you, if you're afraid, 40 days of prayer is taking place, and so we encourage you for that. And, of course, your day starts with day 21 along with your praise uh, this week through your 40 days. You have eight days to uh, be part of that, but encourage you to be praying for that. And then there's the giving part, a couple of disciplines that are part of every Christian life, the discipline of prayer and the discipline of giving. And so uh, we will be asking you to think about, we prayed about, and of course think you and the Lord about your giving. And uh, we realize we take up this offering through Easter, which is the second Sunday in April. First Sunday in April is the time that we begin starting our responding to faith giving. So some of those will be implications. You may be thinking, well, what are you supposed to give to? Well, we want you to prayerfully think. I can tell you that in our household, Kelly and I, we will be uh, giving in March for the Manny Armstrong Easter offering, and in April we prepare to give first Boot Sunday particularly on April 5th. So we're just kind of working to be prepared, praying for, plan ahead, budget, drive towards the Lord's coming, and all of that. The word pandemic, you have heard, I imagine probably several times over the last few days and over the last few weeks. And we've got to look at what pandemic epidemic, one definition, which is a sudden outbreak of a very widespread affecting a whole region, a continent, or group to a susceptible uh, population that we have there. Well, we're not quite there yet, but every day as we get up and we see what's going to be happening with the coronavirus and see how much more it has spread. We who are living in the United States, we probably we're still at a pretty low risk, I would guess, but laws all over the place. I hear about people in the parish. So I'm giving you permission if you come into the Lord's house and talk to us that you are ready to push, pump, elbow, and give away. It's okay. You just go ahead and do that. You have permission. We're going to keep watching this. I imagine that this continues to become widespread, that this has become power. We want it, we're going to make uh, the Lord's house and inside the churches as safe as possible. We may make, we may encourage you all, may make it practice here who knows who, who knows in the future that we'll only fist pump or elbow few we might not even fist pump i don't know but uh, it'll be business as usual no that's not the case there it is far and few between i think that someone could come in and say that they have not been spoken to and uh, certainly have not been feeling the push of my heart uh, certainly uh, when those things happen uh 
we, we pray for those who are ill. We pray for the families who have died. A couple of words of caution. Be careful not to listen to those who have said something like this, and indeed this has been said, God's not going to help those people in China. They don't worship God. They deserve what they get. Well, listen, let me tell you, if it's about what we deserve, then we are all in trouble because it's only by God's grace that we have life and health and even uh, eternal life. Well, also, I can't wait can't wait to send Josh and you guys out to the uh, Afghanistan stuff in Pennsylvania. That's okay. We can get back and do that uh, as well. But also, don't listen to those pseudo-religious who might say, these are signs of the end of times. No, these are signs of the times, the signs between the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the signs of his coming again. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Peace in trying and anxious times comes from within, an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. What an opportunity that you can have in these days at the water cooler or in the classroom or over the fence to be able to say something like this and say, well, in this world things are certainly uncertain, but my confidence is found in my faith in the living Lord Jesus Christ. Still, we're going to do what we can to stay healthy physically and spiritually. These verses that we're going to read today, and we are going to read those eventually, is, is a prayer by the Apostle Paul, I believe, that will help us to be able to understand some of the things that are going on in the world today and how we might be able to stay spiritually healthy. Now, the key verse for what we're calling our Responding in Faith campaign is found in these verses. It's Ephesians 3.20. Some of the material that many of you have received, maybe in the mail, pick up in the kiosk, it says Responding in Faith, you'll find Ephesians 3.20. But it's written out in something international that intended says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. In the New King James Version, which is really how I learned it early on, where it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that is at work within us. And then Ephesians 3.20 in the English Standard Version, which is actually the version I'm reading today and maybe some of those that you have in your notes, it says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. So whether it's immeasurably more, whether it's exceedingly abundantly or whether it's far more abundantly, these are translations of a stacking of superlatives to declare how God wants to be at work and reveal his power in and through you and in and through his church. In fact, I want you to be able to see this particular verse in verses 20 and 21 as a picture of what happens when you and I are spiritually healthy. Got some notes there that uh, didn't come on there that kind of filled in because they're a little bit long. But a picture of health, a picture of health is God's power at work with you, you and the church more so than you could ask or think. And the result is that God is glorified in verse twenty, verse twenty and verse twenty-one. So the Lord wants you to be spiritually healthy, and He wants His church, the body of Christ, to be healthy. For the church to be healthy, the members need to be. Healthy people make for a healthy church. And, of course, we're talking about spiritually healthy, being physically unhealthy or illness coming. We live in this world where, where the rain falls and the just and the unjust and 
it does not necessarily speak to how you are in God's will or not. But when we're healthy, His power, His might are revealed spiritually also. So let's ask the question. If God is to empower us and is always at work, why are most followers of Jesus not experiencing this power? I think we want to do more than just talk about this. We want to we want to really make it practical like that too. So if God really wants to reveal his power in you, wants to be able to give you more than you could ask or imagine, and to work through you, then why is it that most of these followers of Jesus are not? Well, you might notice we've got an either or or therefore either. The Bible and our theology is wrong, and God is not able, and his power is limited, which we know is not true, or the Bible is right, but we somewhere along the line we abort the process. And of course we know that the Bible is right and that God is able. Therefore, let us discover how to be spiritually healthy. You may have already discovered we're doing a little thing a little bit differently today. We've read from verse 20, one of the last verses in our passage of 1 Timothy 21. Verses 20 and 21 paint the picture of what happens when God's people are spiritually healthy. So we're going to start there with the picture, kind of as the destination of this is where we want to be, and we're going to work our way backwards and kind of catch the signal so that we might be able to understand the process. We might be able to understand the conditions to experience the unlimited power of God beyond our wildest imagination. Are you with me? So what is the process of sustaining or becoming spiritually healthy? Does anybody want to leave? Don't leave. I want you to stay because we want you to be here. I, I certainly want to be able to discover God's Word, not because of my work, but because of God's Word, how we might be able to sustain and become spiritually healthy. But notice the last half of verse 19, the verse right above verse 20 that we read, it says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let, let me give you a tip maybe to help us to be able to discover what the scripture tells us here about being spiritually healthy. When I was used to write like, you know, write papers for this school as a kid and I'd write sermons and sometimes now I'm writing letters and that stuff, I always have to be careful and go back and move the words back sometimes in what I write. You know, the words, T-H-O-T. Anybody else? For some reason, I like to use kind of like some girls who when they talk they use the word like or like other things and those kind of things. I, for some reason I use the word that often and then so I have to go back to see all the that's that are there and then I have to remove and then I say, you know, it, does this still make sense without the that and can I use some other words that don't make as much sense so I don't use so many. Well, I just say that today because we're going to pay attention to the word that. Not to take it out but to see what's happening there a couple of places in the prayer where it's used to complete the thought but whenever that is used to begin a new thought what we're going to do is start in fact let's bolded it anymore so that's, that's working our way up from verse 20 at least in the English Standard Version Paul prays for the members of the church of Ephesus and he makes it personal that he's praying this is my prayer Paul prays that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now what is he praying is praying for you, and I believe that he is, what would he be praying for you? And it is to be filled with God's fullness. Now, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, 
you have one, capital A, who is living in you. That's his name. Well, his name is the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the Comforter, sometimes called the Counselor, sometimes called the Spirit of Jesus, like in Philippians 119, sometimes called the Spirit of God, like in Romans 8, 9. And I believe we might be able to understand this particular scripture that the one who is living in you might be called the fullness of God. We serve one God. We know him in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us reveals to us more and more of God's character and who he is, which helps us so that we might become more and more like Jesus. We'll not know the complete fullness of God until we get to heaven, but we can experience more and more of his goodness as we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit and follow him. Really, read and maybe hear somebody talk about, maybe if you're reading the Bible, they'll talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit or maybe the anointing of the Spirit. And most people kind of equate that with an emotional experience or with something that we feel. And, and emotion plays a part. Don't you ever come to a worship service and you experience and feel the excitement in the air and feel close to the Holy Spirit, much like hopefully what's happened here today as we've come and been able to worship, and that's a good feeling. But if it's only emotion, it's not necessarily equivalent to the filling of the Holy Spirit or experiencing the fullness of God. But may I submit to you that you could go to a Kiss concert, rock and roll concert, and sing, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day, and have a similar kind of emotional experience. But it's not the same thing, because the difference is the relationship that you might have with the Holy Spirit and the, your submission to the Holy Spirit. Emotion can lead you to a deeper walk with Christ, but I think more often it's the other way around. A deeper walk with Christ leads to a true, genuine worship and deeper felt experience. Now, something that, that I think will help. When you become a believer, you receive all the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. Now, how much is that? Well, it's all of it. Not just a part or a portion to be received later, but all of the Holy Spirit is living in you. So if that's true, now we started in the notes and I've given you an answer to either or and they're very important. So if that's true, if all of the Holy Spirit is living in you, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, either you have the Holy Spirit living in you, all of Him, or you do not have the Holy Spirit living in you at all. You don't get partially saved. You get, you're all the way saved. We have Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have a Heavenly Father. We have the Holy Spirit, all of Him living in us. Therefore, if that's true, that you've received all of the Holy Spirit, submit to the Holy Spirit living in you so that you might experience more of the fullness of God. Spiritual health, we've defined that as God's power at work within you and the church more so than we ever could think or imagine. And then glory to God. Well, that's how we're defining it, but if we're resisting how the Holy Spirit is working in our life, all the Holy Spirit living in you, if you're resisting that, then you're probably not sustaining or becoming spiritually healthy. Oh, let's look to the next passage make it up to your verse. You might notice in verse 19 there's another. That, but that really completes my thought. But if you move up to verse 17, the last part of verse 17, it says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, we'll go ahead and read the 
but but it's awesome. And by the way, verses 14 through 19, it's just one sentence, at least in the translation that I believe. Now, most of the time, there's one sentence and several thoughts that are taking place there. So, verse 17, last part of that says, That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Well, these are big ideas. And even a bigger prayer, Paul mixes two metaphors here, one of agriculture and one of building. And he says, if you are rooted, God's love grows deep, roots grow deep in the soil, and you are founded like the foundation. If you've ever went and tried to build a house or building a building, so that the foundation goes pretty deep, higher the building, the deeper the foundation. Our love is to be deep and foundational to all we do. So did you notice here, and I want you to take, it, it, just pay really close attention to the prayers. Paul's not praying that you are rooted, that you become rooted. He, he says as if you already are. You're already rooted if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're already grounded in love. It's the basis of our Christianity is who we are. Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Bible's sake, he says. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you. If the love of Jesus is not foundational to your experience, then you don't know Jesus. You just get what you want. So what is the prayer? It's to have the strength to comprehend the breadth, length, height, and depth of God's love. Again, this, this is a big prayer. May you know the vastness of God's love. You know, the basis, the foundation, but there's more to discover. The vastness of God's love is limitless. Well, lots of ink has been used to describe and talk about actually what Paul is praying for here. Its breadth includes everyone in every ethnic, global, economic environment. It is long as eternity. Jeremiah said, we talked about some of this that Jeremiah says in the month of January, that Jeremiah says he loved us with an everlasting love. It's higher than the heavens. It's deeper than the deepest sea, which is where, because of his love, he crossed our paths, which were forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Now, we could just sit and contemplate God's love, and probably that would be fine for us to do. But it's, it's interesting here, because as we look at Paul's words, we often think of these as kind of lofty and eloquent words. And I mean that certainly in a good way. But in another sense, it's as if Paul wants us to be able to understand or discover that he's almost saying in an elementary type fashion to say, you need to know God's love because it's really, really big. But can we agree with the big ask? It's necessary to ask that we continue to grow in God's love to be spiritually healthy. But, it, but it's even bigger than that. Did you notice in verse 19, the very first part of that verse, Paul prays, when it comes to God's love, Paul prays this prayer. He wants you to know what cannot be known. Well, my goodness, how can you know what cannot be known? I will tell you that the word to know means to know by experience. So perhaps he's talking about that cannot be known in any other way than through experience. Let me give you two or three other ideas of how we might be able to know that which cannot be known. You ever go through some really tough, trying times? Maybe your heart is hurting, maybe you're physically hurting. You're wondering how you're going to make it through the day. 
and how you guys take care of just your regular daily tasks. Just put your trust in the Lord to help you through. And secondly, you realize that you've experienced a portion or a level of God's love that you have never experienced before that you would not have experienced otherwise. Well, I'll give you this encouragement. There's one way we can know that is if we're actually loving him because we're partners in his work. Trusting him. How about you ever have a loved one, family member, somebody really close to you, that after a difficult time, and you're praying for them, you want to make their decision, make their good choices, these things, something happens, you pray again for them, who are sick, and you're wondering what, what God's up to, and then suddenly, hey, you prayed many, many times. Suddenly you remember, no matter how much you love that person, God loves them too. Or maybe there's somebody that you've talked about over this past month or who's your one, somebody you know who's lost, and you know somebody who's lost them. We collected 250 or 300 names off of our offering this week that you've placed on the offering over the past two or three weeks, and you're praying for that person. Who's your one? Maybe you're having some questions for them, and, and you remember and you know and you can trust that God's already ahead of you. Paul's prayer, I want you to notice what it's not. He's not necessarily praying that, I sure hope that you start loving other people more. No, he's praying that you might be able to understand God's love, but it is biblically, it's a biblical understanding that because we've experienced his love, we ought to love. Here's where the process of being spiritually healthy gets stuck. The big idea of understanding God's love, if it's only about me, and it's not about growing in my love for others, then probably I'm not going to be that successful spiritually healthy and not care as much as I'm called into doing spiritually healthy. Either God's love cannot be fully known, or God's love is so vast you will never comprehend it all to the flesh. But we can know more. Therefore, the only way to comprehend more is to give more away. If you want to know more of God's love, you've got to grow more love for others. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Time as a holy as a copyist of love by Jesus is not very grateful but there's a time and a time when the holy man is in the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea and there's a well used illustration probably been heard before maybe from your own brother or maybe from your own teacher as well but the Jordan River runs through the Sea of Galilee from the north heading south and out again the Sea of Galilee you might remember is where Jesus spent or he comforted his weeping disciples in or around the Sea of Galilee and many of the disciples were fishing, and Jesus called them out there, and they began fishing there in the Sea of Galilee. It has a plethora, multiples and abundance of fish. The area around the Sea of Galilee is lush and green. Today you can go there, and you can sit under a tree, or maybe even sit on the porch of a restaurant overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and, and you just can get the sense of beauty that is just there. You can walk around and have lunch there But the Dead Sea, about 85 miles to the south of the Sea of Galilee, is about 1,400 feet below sea level, lowest point on earth. It's in a desert land. The Sea of Galilee is fresh water, teeming teen with life. The Dead Sea is salty and cannot sustain, sustain life. You can float in it for as long as you want because you cannot sink it. The main difference is the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and flows out again south of the Sea of Galilee. With the Dead Sea, it flows in, but nothing 
closed off. You will not be able to comprehend more of the love of God if it's not flowing through you to others. And I'm convinced <coughs> that there's a pandemic of unhealthy believers because they're not allowing God to show his love and that love to be able to flow through them. You should know what you're not to know. Well, let's look our, let's work our way up. We don't have to go very far, but the very first part of First Second Corinthians is to say that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And if you're paying attention, let me go ahead and give you an either or and a therefore. Either you're saved by grace through faith, but refuse to walk by faith, or the same faith in Christ is needed every day. Therefore, the faith that you've placed in Christ must dwell in you. What's, what's necessary for salvation? What's necessary for you as a person who's saved today? Well, they must put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. Everything that the Bible says about Jesus, a person doesn't realize that they are deceived in Jesus because of their sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and all are in need of who Jesus is. Two words to describe the difference between every other religion and Christianity is the words do and don't. Do and don't. D-O-N-E. Every other religion besides Christianity tells you what you must do. Only Christianity and only Jesus talk about what you don't do. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we are able to have salvation and we're able to be saved by grace. But we must repent of sin, put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today and take those teachings as your Lord and Savior. In just a few moments, we're going to be through with uh, this message and we're going to be having a song of response. And I encourage you to give your heart and life to Jesus today. For those of you who place your faith in Jesus, notice Paul's prayer is for believers. He's not praying for you to put Jesus in your heart. But that if you've placed your faith in Jesus for salvation and you know your eternity is secure, then that same faith will help you to walk with him and grow in your faith today. To dwell in your hearts refusal through faith. That is that to dwell means that he needs to be in charge of your heart. He needs to have rule over your life. And as you grow in faith, it will change your attitude and your prayer life and certainly your actions. You can have confidence in Christ always being at work around you. May the same faith that saved you allow Jesus to dwell in you each and every day as a faith practice. Acts chapter 12, the church is going to be going through persecution. James, the brother of John, the other two disciples, King Herod is martyred and put to death. They're arrested and taken and put into jail. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5 says this, It says, Constant prayer was offered unto God for Peter by the church. In the night before Herod was to come and to either sentence Peter or to release Peter, Peter's asleep, and he came between two soldiers. And as he came there between two soldiers, an angel of the Lord comes unto Peter, touches him on the side, and says, Arise quickly, put on your shoes, put on your clothes and your shoes because you're busting out of the joint. Okay, maybe you've heard that interpretation. So come and follow me. And so Peter rose and followed him. And scripture tells us Peter didn't know, is this really happening? Is this a vision? Is this a dream? I love the details that's given because it says they walked past the first guard. They walked past the second guard. 
they came to the city gate, and it opened by itself. They walked down one street and then another, and then the angel vanished. And Peter realized, hey, this is really awesome. There's Pennywise and Churchgoers. They're all at Mark's mom's house praying all night in prayer meetings. And guess what they're praying? They're praying that Peter might not die, that he might be released. They're at Mark's mom's house. Remember Mark, the writer of the gospel, John Mark, same one that Andrew Paul and Barnabas had the first missionary journey. And so Peter goes to Mark's mom's house, and he knocks on the door, and he knocks on the door. Wait a minute. A servant girl comes to the door. Instead of being extra cautious, the angel has been killed. Peter's in jail. And so she must have asked. He said, here, it must have asked, who is it? Peter might have said, it's me. She, rec- she recognized the voice, but she didn't open the door. She went back to where the church folk were praying and said, hey, Peter's at the door. And they all, they said, no, there's Peter's not there. No, he's at the door. I recognize his voice. And they argued back and forth to one another. So much so that they finally told the girl, they said, it might be Peter's angel, but it's not Peter. Meanwhile, poor Peter, he's still knocking at the door. And then finally, somebody else goes to the door and opens the door. And there must have been such excitement and such rejoicing going on. The Bible says that Peter had to motion with his hands, would you be quiet and I'll tell you everything that has happened. And so it's how the angel busted him out of King Herod's jail. Oh, I love that story. It's also a reminder of how we need to pray and live with expectation that the Lord will do exceedingly and abundantly more than ask or imagine. But praying in faith and trusting in God in whatever way we may choose, believing that he knows best. I'm quoting from one of my favorite preachers because he said, because sometimes you might get what you want, but you don't need what you got and you're stuck with what you don't need. We need to walk and pray in faith and be praying, Lord, you do what you think and what you know is best because it's more than we can ask and more than we can imagine. Responding in faith and surveying a large stewardship account happens whenever we live into the power of the unleashed the word and the leading of God. Responding in faith is the name of our 40 days of prayer. And in the midst of it, today we're going to come up halfway and Terry's going to come along to be a part of that. We're praying. Hopefully, this is our verse, expecting that the Lord will do more than we could ever ask or could ever think, exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could imagine. Responding in faith is the name of this teaching today. We hope you will enjoy this much as I did as we devote this time and time after time to the Lord and his spiritual things as well. Responding in faith produces spiritually healthy believers that make for a healthy church. Well, there's a measure of that is found in verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. So either you are totally self-sufficient with no need of help, or you're totally helpless and weak without Christ. Therefore, totally depend on his power to give you strength. Where does our strength for daily living come from? Well, it comes from the Lord Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. And where does it begin to, where does the strength come to? Well, it comes to our, we just read, our inner being. It begins on the inside. That's where he changes us and transforms us and provides what you need for each day. He provides for you the energy that you need so that you might be able to face life's troubles, to courage, to share the good news, to change of heart needed to love others, and to help needed to fight temptation. And it's all him based on his 
glorious riches to all the saints needed is available. Our cultural problem, this is important because particularly where we live, we're, we're taught almost the opposite. You need to be self-sufficient. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But Jesus tells us something different. A lot of times we try to be hybrid followers. That is, well, some of what I do is going to be based on how good I am, what I can do, my own strength. Then some of it I'm going to place on Jesus. But what we learn from Scripture, if we're going to be spiritually healthy, if it's all or nothing, we've got to depend upon Him. Thank goodness the Bible says, where we are weak, He is strong. Ah, if you're thinking, you know, there's some places I'm just strong. We also need to remember that God bears the middle cross. So we're only fooling ourselves if we're thinking we can do this on our own. It's Paul's prayer for the followers of Jesus who prayed from this. How does it say in verse 14? He says, where was, what was he doing? He was kneeling. Full expressive humility and furthermore genuineness. Most of the time in the Jewish faith and particularly in the Middle East, prayer wasn't done here without arms raised. But here he is kneeling. That's how we need to come before the Lord humbly. In boldness. <laughs> with confidence. Knowing that he hears our prayers. Knowing that he has to do his work. We've been given access to the Father through the Holy through the Son. The Holy Spirit abides in you. You're never alone. And even now, right now, the Lord's working to give you strength to grow your faith. And the love of Christ abides in you. For those who feel alone or without hope, we have good news. For those who think pandemic health alert means bad news. Spiritual health can become spiritual sickness. No matter what happens. No matter what takes place. No matter what we go through personally. No matter what our church goes through. No matter what is going, is happening worldwide. God is able. So what should you do to sustain and begin the process toward spiritual health? Abide in Christ. Respond in faith. Watch for the renewing of His love in your heart and His Spirit. Now, in just a moment, we're going to pick up the sermon and find and read a scripture all the way through. Now, I want you to believe it. I want you to make it a prayer. I'm going to pray it aloud. You can make the scripture and check them off as you get to make your way toward the front. Or you can get ready to make it in the chapel and pray it there or anywhere in the church. But may this be our prayer for today. It's not just something that we talk about, not just something that we learn, but something that we're practicing because we believe that this is the prayer. This is my prayer for you. This is your prayer for not only for you, but for one another. So I'm going to ask if you would, would you please stand as we read and as we pray this prayer together. I'll pray it aloud. You pray it in your heart. Listen or read along as you pray. Eyes open, eyes closed. It is up to you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. 
give him the glory in the church because of Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And this we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you remain standing while we have our song of decision today, song of response. Lord, it's leading you to make a decision today. We encourage you, even now, as we begin to sing, for you to come and take my hand, take one of our pastor's hands, and just say, I need to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've already done so, and you need to make that public. I accepted you, and I need to make it public today to know you as my baptism. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to do no more than what the Lord is leading you to do. We'll be excited to become a part of the Parkway Baptist Church home. Our altar is open. You can come and pray today, particularly pray for the food you're wanting today, if you would like. If you've got somebody you need to pray for on your behalf or want to, pray for them. We'll be glad to have them. Let's do that. May you come as we sing together today.